0: The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.
1: It's the show that goes around the horn with your Minnesota Twins, with insight from the decision makers in the dugout and in the front office. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killabrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made.
2: Welcome to Sunday Baseball here in Toronto, Ontario. Twins and the Blue Jays set to wrap up the weekend series. Twins after a three-game sweep as they play one more time here in Toronto. Twins and the Jays. It's been a very entertaining series uh, so far. This series, in fact, the Twins looking for a sweep today. Louis Varlin will have the ball for the Twins, and Kevin Gosman opposes for Toronto. I'm Corey Provis. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer locally owned and operated it's how memories are created and legends are made and a special edition of our sunday show as we kind of do a fun twins baseball roundtable discussion and a great panel we have uh, to talk twins baseball today hall of famer paul molitor and twins hall of famer and canadian born justin morneau joining us here today guys thanks for your time this morning
1: Appreciate it, Corey. Glad to be here.
2: Yeah, it's going to be fun, and this has been a great uh, series so far. Twins after a sweep today, but let's begin just generally speaking. The Twins have played 65 games. Wins and losses aside, uh Mourney, I'll start with you. Your thoughts on just the team so far through 65 games.
0: I think the pitching has been, well, I guess if you ask somebody in the front office making these decisions, but I think the pitching has been better than expected. I like, think uh, if you could have you know, looked 65 games into the season and said we're going to be leading or near the top of most pitching categories from the starters overall. I mean, you'd say okay, we're going to be 14 or 15 games over 500. I think the surprise has been the lack of offense. I think the injuries and you know, guys being in and out of the lineup. Guys, it's been hard for the lineup to be consistent because it's changed around so often that that you know you're kind of just who do we have today that's available to play and 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 you kind of get sort of stuck in these spots, but I think overall it's been a positive because you look at it in a game like yesterday where you see this team do things and you go there's something in there that, that makes you believe that this team is going to be better offensively where you score seven runs in an inning and you get a couple of good at-bats and somebody hits one out of the ballpark and that's kind of how this team is built. You just haven't had those guys getting on base before the home run. So all, all in all, I think it's been a lot of positives. Fortunate to be playing in the division that we're playing in but uh, I think there's a lot of reason to think that this season will continue to get better as the offense starts to come alive.
2: Molly, your thoughts yeah. on uh, Twins baseball 65 games in?
1: Well, I think, uh, you know, playing off of one of Justin's points, I, I'm sure that front office, they have they have the ability as far as expectancy from performance from both pitchers and position players, and maybe a little bit. Some of our pitches are overperformed. That's why maybe this pitch Overall, the pitching is a little better, maybe, that we had thought when the season started. And some of the offensive players, obviously, under projections of what their career uh, would tell us that they would potentially do. And, and But the other thing I want to give credit to the front office, I thought the one of the major themes of the offseason was to build depth, both in pitching and position players. Obviously, even through the first 64, 65 games, we've had to dip in, not only for starting pitching, but uh, position players with some of the injuries. And I think last year we saw that not having a great deal of depth was one of the reasons that we had a lot of trouble down the stretch. You
2: think about the, the starting pitching here, fellas, and note to Ecker, your, your point there, I think that's been the strength of this team. It's been the most consistent aspect of this team. And two guys that, that could very well, Molly, be all-stars this season, Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray, those two have been as consistent as any 1-2 staff One-two punch going in the game right now.
1: Well, Sonny's been great. Not a ton of decisions, but uh, when he's been out there, I I can't really think of games where he hasn't given us a chance. Sometimes he has to come out a little early. uh, The other night being an example of a 31-pitch stressful inning and and ended his night after 5 but Joe continues to climb the improvement scale. I think that when he first came here, we all thought we had a good pitcher potentially. He built off it last year and seems to be taking it even to another level this year. Part of it is that confidence and development of that split finger pitch which has been very good so far. And the splitter
2: has been a ground ball. I mean, pitch. If you look at, you know, Morty Ryan's splits so far this season, historically has been a fly ball arm. You can't say that about Joe Ryan this year. More ground balls than fly balls. Yeah, it's amazing. The fastball obviously plays, and it plays up.
0: He pitches the top of the zone with that, gets a lot of pop-ups, a lot of fly balls. But he added something to make him more than a one-dimensional pitcher because I think if he goes out there and he, all he's doing is surviving with that fastball and he makes any type of mistake or a hitter gets to it, a fastball that, doesn't get above the zone or to the top of the zone is a bell tie fastball that we see a lot of time ends up in the seat so now he's got a way to attack hitters of they're just going to try and get on top of my fastball well you try and get on top of his fastball and it comes out and you don't recognize it as a split you're going to pound the thing into the ground or you're going to swing over the top of it and I think the fact that he's been able to develop that find something that's worked for him and then you see the confidence every time he throws it every time he throws it in a big situation you see he just trusts it that much more and 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 we try not to chase results in this game, but the results matter. So we talk about the process a lot, and we talk about you know continuing to work on your craft and everything else. But if you're throwing a pitch and it's ended up in you know causing causing your problems, causing you know causing your runs, you're gonna not really have that much confidence to throw it. So I think the positive feedback, the fact that he's throwing it. He's getting the results he wants. It just kind of keeps feeding back into the fact that he feels like he's doing the right thing and the results have followed.
2: You know, not long after last season ended, Ryan headed west to, to go to driveline, the, the Pitching Performance Academy, to begin to take a look at, at his secondary pitches. Louis Varlin is going today. He's got this great fastball that, that we've seen in the upper 90s. But with his secondary pitches, much like Ryan, would, would a place like driveline be good for him? Once this season ends, yeah,
0: I think so. I think we've I've talked to, you know, whether it's Derek Falvey or Rocco, or you know, asked the question that a lot of fans asked: Why does he has to go? Why does he have to go somewhere else to do it? And, and you know, Rocco said, "Well, as long as these guys get better, we don't really care where it comes from." At the same time, he said, "It's not like we're not telling these guys these things. It just sometimes helps for it to come from a different voice." So they have plans, and then the other the other part of that is it's really hard to make those adjustments in the middle of a season. And, and when you're sitting there going. Well, we'd like to change the shape of your slider, and you go. Well, I got to face Aaron Judge tonight. I don't really want to be testing pitches in the middle of this game, so they can do it in between bullpens, but in between starts in the bullpen. But I think that's part of the the challenge of it is a less stressful environment. You get out there and you're, you know, in the off season, you can work on it. You can take with things, and I think we've seen the results from that from so many pitchers that they go out there, they find a new pitch. They say, "Well, we see your characteristics being similar to this guy. Let's see if we can." change your grip on that pitch and see if we can get it to move just like, you know, so and so slider and I think there's been a lot of uh, a lot of positives to that.
2: Molly, do you marvel at the fact that there is no offseason for today's modern day player, whether it's a pitcher or a hitter. The the, the season ends and for pitchers it may right. be a week or two off and then they're then they're back out on a bullpen mound somewhere.
1: Well, I'm not surprised. I think even in my day, which was a long time ago, there was the majority of the players started their program rather quickly after taking a little bit of a physical break after the season. I think now maybe it's a little bit more baseball-specific, whether it's, it pertains to the hitters or the pitchers. You know, when you talk about Joe going uh, going to driveline and if, if it would be good for Louie, during the season, You know, you know, you know, you're in a classroom with a bunch of people and you don't always get the one-on-one, I'm sure you do at times, your bullpen sessions and this and that. But to have someone specifically address you one-on-one and not have the pressure of results, if you learn something here and you try to take it out in a game, it's, it's like you know, trying to take your golf lesson out to the course. And a lot of times you revert back to where you started. So it just gives them time to really build up confidence in whatever adjustments that they're making.
2: You know, last we saw, Bailey Oberfellows was on this road trip, and he was going great at Tropicana Field back on Thursday. Then he got checked and it was, it was a lot to, 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 I guess, debate there. Really nothing suspicious was on his hands, but still he was told to go wash his hands. And then, you know, things kind of fell apart that, that after he got the first two guys out there in the fourth inning and then the runs began to pile up there a little bit against him. And he mentioned after the game that mentally, yeah, it was on my mind. For a younger guy, morning like Ober, how much is that on your mind the next time he takes the ball at target field?
0: Yeah, I think to have it happen in the middle of the outing was disappointing to have it happen when he was coming back out onto the field I think that was the the disappointing part about all of that is if he was he had time in between innings as he was coming off the field if they felt like there was something he needed to do why not ask him after he gets the third out instead of now he goes out there he feels like he's he's rushing he feels like they're waiting for him he feels like he's being accused of doing something even though they said they didn't find anything suspicious and this has happened throughout the year I mean pitchers are not wanting to eject or umpires are not wanting to eject these pitchers so there's been these checks and multiple times pitchers have been told go wash your hands you got too much rosin on there so it's not like something that's been on you know that hasn't happened throughout the league it's just unfortunate that it happened in that start when he was throwing the ball so well and I don't think it carries over I think he just goes out there and turns the page he seems like a, a guy who's pretty mentally strong out there and, and doesn't really let too much bother him so I don't know I I look to the league to maybe handle these things a little bit better as it's going along, and then and then maybe we don't have to put pitchers or people in this
2: position that, that Bailey was in in that last start. Yeah, Ober goes next on Wednesday when the Twins are back home against Milwaukee. Pablo Lopez will start that Brewer Series at Target Field on Tuesday night. We'll take a break, come back. We'll discuss Twins offense, specifically Twins strikeouts. We'll get to that next as inside Twins Brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer continues next on your home for Twins baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins. Brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis back with Paul Molitor, Justin Morneau, Twins, and the Blue Jays coming up in just a bit. Third and final game of this series. Molly, yesterday was a great come from behind win. Uh, The Twins scoring plenty late in route to a 9-4 win. And as we were discussing during the game, the strikeouts were piling up. But we never really mentioned considering how the offense looked at the end. Oh, by the way, they won 9-4 but struck out a season high 17 times in that game yesterday.
1: Well, it was nice that the narrative at the end of the game did not include the fact that we struck out 17 times. I, with the offense having its issues of finding way to score runs over the past week or so, you know, to have the uh, outburst that we did at the end of the game, including the putting the touchdown up there in the eighth inning. Um you know, it's it is an issue to some degree in a bigger picture because we have seen maybe too much of a trend of un, our inability to put the ball in play with with two strikes. But it's not like the players aren't aware or the hitting coaches aren't aware. You try to help these guys figure out the best possible approach with two strikes so we can see at least a little bit more contact. We all know that if you strike out, you have no chance, and even if you find a way to put the ball, maybe weakly, maybe on the ground, maybe a little flare, at least you give yourself a chance, especially when the situation dictates possibly advancing runners as a result of you putting the ball in play.
2: Morning. any common trend you've noticed here as to why the strikeouts are as high as they have been leading all the baseball as a team?
0: I, don't, I think a good example of
2: you know what? What a big inning can look
0: like is yesterday was perfect. I mean, Michael A. Taylor comes up, he he puts a bunt down, he gets on first base. Julian fouls off a couple of pitches, then breaks his bat and you know, kind of shoots one over left. But if he swings and misses at either one of the two previous pitches, the at bat's over. The rally doesn't kind of shape up the way it does. So there's some benefit to, you know, to be able to being able to keep an at bat alive with an ugly swing. It I think so much today, guys are just being told. Try and get your A swing off, get your A swing off. And and sometimes that guy on the mound doesn't allow that to happen. I think you you hit home runs on, you know, mistakes on pitches that guys leave in the heart of the plate. And you see hanging breaking balls go four hundred feet and you see fastballs down the middle like the one Kepler hit in the game yesterday that end up in the in the bullpen or in the seat. So I think there's there's a thought that every swing has to be perfect, every swing has to be the best swing you can take and sometimes the pitch doesn't allow that. I mean, you get a pitch that's you know borderline down and away at 94, 95 miles an hour. If you think you're going to be able to swing from your heels and, and take the best possible swing, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. So I think there has to be some reaction, which is difficult, because the pitchers now have such good stuff, and, and everyone's got a, a good fastball. And then their secondary stuff, as you said, we mentioned earlier, you go to driveline or you you have these pitching labs where you can say, well, I'm going to change the shape of my slider. I'm going to have a better breaking ball. And these guys are able to kind of manipulate the ball as good as anyone has. I mean, I was watching the game yesterday with the changeup. I compared the changeup that they were swinging and missing at the first seven strikeouts to Hoffman's changeup. It looked like, you know, the way Trevor Hoffman, who's one of the best closers of all time. And this is a guy who came in as the, you know, just the bulk pitcher in the middle of a game. I mean, it's crazy to think of how the guys are. Now, that being said, you're a big leaguer. You're getting paid to do it. You're a professional. At some point, you have to take it upon yourself to say, what's happening right now isn't good enough. We're not scoring enough runs. We're not putting the ball in play enough. And you just have to find a way to make an adjustment and get it done.
2: You know what's interesting, guys, because when you ask, you know, some of the players about the inconsistencies with the offense and the strikeouts, the often cliche you hear back is trust the process. But if the process hasn't led to anything changing, don't you have to put that on the shelf you know, morning temporarily, just to be like, "Hey, I want to trust it," but n- nothing's changing here. And Jorge Polanco told us, you know, before the game on Thursday, before he got hurt, he has multiple swings. Mm-hmm. But is that just? Is that not as common when you look at this current, I guess, group of twins hitters right now? That not too many have multiple swings. I just, I think it's hard. Go back to, you know, my time in the
0: minor leagues. It's, it's you weren't allowed to move up a level unless you choked up and spread out with two strikes and, and you had to have, and there was a thought, okay, we're going to, I didn't necessarily love the approach, but it taught me an approach. And, and it was take the fastball to the opposite gap, which allowed to, allowed you to cover all the off-speed pitches. It allowed you to let the ball get a little bit deeper. You were vulnerable inside. And then I think you could get beat inside and and you would miss inside fastballs. But at least you had an idea of, okay, this is somewhat of an adjustment as it's going along. And, and, and until you showed that, they said, you could be hitting whatever you're hitting, and they wouldn't let you move because you're not making an adjustment. This isn't going to work at the big league level. So, it just it goes back to: Is this what's being preached? Is this what being taught? You know, if I was in the minor leagues now, would somebody say to me, "We just want you to pull the ball and hit it in the air as much as you possibly can because you have power"? So, is it a result of you know how guys are getting here, what what's happening, and 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 how they're being coached, or is it just a result of guys chasing? you know, extra base hits and, and and everything else, which is how you have to win a lot in today's game. But I don't know, there, there's some point you have to just look at it and go, I'm not happy being a 220 hitter. I want to be better. Or or how am I more valuable to this team? Is it putting the ball in play one more at bat for every 10 or, or whatever it is? And then you have to find a way to, to look at look at it and go, Yeah, this approach might work for this guy, but I need to figure out what works for myself.
2: Molly, you spend time in the minor leagues with with today's minor league hitter. To Justin's point and his points there, do you see some of the younger hitters making adjustments?
1: Well, you know, you talk about we always hear trust the process. Well, there's a physical process, your preparation, and then there's the mental process of what you think about. Um, I I think it's valuable um, at the younger levels. Even up here, let's say you take a 100 strikeout sample. Justin speaks about how it's different from player to player, but I would want to know how many balls I'm chasing out of the zone, what pitches am my swinging and missing at, and, and the different adjustment will change from player to player. Yesterday, our first strikeout was a take on a fastball by Kirilov, and then we didn't strike out on another fastball until our 12th strikeout, so there's 10 in between there. Justin spoke of that great changeup that we saw early, but it's kind of what for me, it's it's what are you looking to see? I, I hated to get fooled with two strikes. I might take some ugly swings on fastballs and get jammed or fight them off or hopefully foul, You know, put them in play, maybe get a, a little opposite field single or something like that. But to protect it against pitches that will fool you, uh, I think you'll see them a little bit better and have a tendency to keep it in the zone a little bit better as well. All right, Time's
2: flying here on this show. We'll take our last break, come back, and we'll get away from Twins baseball and talk about the state of today's game how you guys feel about the rule changes impacting baseball in 2023. Our final segment of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer wraps up next on your Home for Twins Baseball. It's our final segment of Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Back with Paul Mahler, Justin Morno, Corey Provis. All right, guys, Twins Baseball, we spent time on that. Let's talk about the game uh, on its own here. Rule changes were a big storyline entering the year, 65 games in. Molly, what do you think about uh, the rule changes and today's game?
1: I'm on board. I think that some of those decisions made regarding rules had the fan in mind, certainly over the past handful of years. The three true outcomes, the walk, the strikeout, the home run, has not led to a very... Aesthetically pleasing game, and they're trying to find ways to improve it. Um, the pitch clock has worked well. Can they still tweak it? I have a little bit of a theory when the game's on the line late, maybe they could add a little bit of time or whatever. The shift being removed, I think it has added some hits. It's added space to the infield for hitters to may, maybe be more encouraged to put the ball in play, especially with two strikes. And stolen bases are up. I think the percentage of success rate has gone up, which adds another element bringing some base running and aggressiveness and athletes back into, the play, back into play offensively. I think the game's
0: better. I think it's better to watch. I think part of our view up here in, in the booth, that we look down, and I feel like over the last few years you'd look down and, Seem about half the people were looking down at their phone because there wasn't enough action on the field. It wasn't moving quick enough to engage everyone. Now I feel like people will check their phone every once in a while, but their their the the attention is, is grabbed by what's going on. There's there's you know continuous activity. It's the pitcher gets the ball, he gets back on the mound, he throws the ball. So there's not really enough time to kind of look away, which I think kind of serves its purpose. Now from the playing side, I mean, there has been a little bit of challenge for players adjusting, especially guys that have been in the league a long time. But I think. For the most part, the game is better to watch. I think we're seeing infielders dive for balls yeah. and come up. We've seen Correa make highlight real plays, you know, going to his left. We saw it in yesterday's game. There's not three people standing where they're going to hit the ball, so we're seeing the athleticism, and I think you've got as good athletes as you've ever had in the game today, and now we're getting to see them work. We're getting to see guys run the bases. I mean, all the excitement about L.A. De La Cruz, why? Because he can run the bases. He's got a ton of speed. People like to see things that they can't do themselves, and, and watching the athletes on display – Doing what they can do best, I think, makes for a better product.
2: I'll give you guys 20 seconds each. Last thought. Automated strike zone, for or against. Molly, go ahead.
1: I was against it for a while, but after watching and how the pitcher stuff continues to get better and really the inconsistency from the umpires, I'm on board. I think it's coming. I hope they have the technology to make it as accurate as possible. Not sure about all the challenge system and all that, but I think we're going to see it sometime in the near future.
2: Morning, 20 seconds, same question.
0: 100% in. I wish they would have had it when I played. I think if everyone knows what the strike zone is, the pitcher knows what the strike zone is, the hitter knows what the strike zone is, Both you can both trust when you walk up to the plate that there's going to be no influence from the crowd. There's not going to be anything. Everyone get caught up in a moment. You know, you just go out there and you play, and it's it's either it is or it isn't, and I think that's, that's the best-case scenario. If it's a pitch, it's a strike, I can hit it. If I take it, it's a strike. I'm walking back, and, and it's pretty simple if you look at it that way.
2: Five seconds, over, under. It'll be here two years or more, or two years or less. Uh, over. I think uh, it'll be more, three years. For three me. years, okay. Hey, guys, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Paul Moller, Justin Morneau. We have more to come. The pregame show with Chris is coming up next. Then game three, Twins and the Blue Jays coming up on your home for Minnesota Twins Baseball.
1: You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killabrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the
0: Treasure Island Baseball Network.